Welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. In our previous studies, we noted that 1 Corinthians 12, 13 is often believed to be teaching the new birth or regeneration, that it is a spiritual baptism and does not refer to water baptism. We presented how the Greek words for baptism were translated and used in the scriptures. Second, how the Greek word baptizo, none of the other Greek words for baptized are used in 1 Corinthians, is used in this letter written to the congregation at Corinth. Third, the pattern for baptism, that is, how baptism is performed. We saw that the pattern for baptism of the Holy Spirit is prophesied by John the Baptist and as it was performed on the day of Pentecost and afterwards, was that Christ was the administrator, believers were the subjects, and the Holy Spirit was the element. In other words, They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. The advocates of a spiritual baptism in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 maintain that it is by the Holy Spirit, that is, the Spirit is the administrator of this spiritual baptism. They further affirm that it is when someone is regenerated and or put into the universal, invisible, mystical body or church. This too proposes problems because what is the definition of the invisible church? We previously quoted from Thomas Manton and John Gill regarding this, and their views are that the invisible, mystical church is the elect that were chosen in Christ before the world began. Compare Ephesians 1.4. The modern-day dispensationalists affirm that this invisible church only contains believers from the day of Pentecost until the second coming of Christ. Some affirm that this mystical church only includes believers who are currently alive on earth while others say it is the believers who have died and are with the Lord in glory. Therefore, when someone speaks of this universal invisible church, unless the speaker is clear as to what he means, the audience may have an entirely different opinion as to what he means. By the way, Some advocate a universal visible church, but that is another study which we will will not include here. It is for this reason, as well as others, that I believe we need to disregard the use of the English word church and use, as William Tyndall did, congregation. Tyndall translated the Greek word ekklesia, which is generally given as church in the New Testament in the King James Version. He translated ecclesia in every place in the New Testament 
as congregation. While much more can be said regarding this, we need to move on and look at 1 Corinthians 12.13 to try to understand what it is saying. The verse reads, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. As you will see, this is from the King James Version Bible, which I believe is the most accurate English translation. However, according to the Greek text, the phrase is literally in hini pneumatai. That is, in one spirit and not by one spirit. In our quote from John Gill in our first lesson on this subject, he allowed this. He said, quote, For the apostle says not in one and the same water, but by or in one spirit, end of quote. Henry Alford in his Greek New Testament, volume 2, page 580, and G.G. Finlay, in the Expositor's Greek Testament, Volume 2, page 890, affirms that it should be translated in one spirit. Many other authorities could be quoted to support this position. The second thing to consider regarding this verse is the capitalization of the word spirit. As is generally known, Capitalization as we know it today was not in the original Greek text and therefore was added by either translators or by modern-day publishers in some cases. This is demonstrated by the following examples. In my Cambridge wide margin authorized King James Version Bible, and my Collins and World Bibles, by the way, all of these examples that I'm giving are authorized King James Version Bibles. The English word spirit is not capitalized in Acts 11, 12, and 28. That's Acts chapter 11, verses 12 and 28. Acts 11.12 reads, And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. From Acts 10.19, obviously Acts 11.12 should also be capitalized because it reads, that is Acts 10.19, While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit, capitalized, said unto him, Behold, three men Seek thee, end of quote. Further, I believe, Spirit in Acts 11.28 should too be capitalized. It reads, And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. However, 
In another Bible that I have published by Regency Publishing House, which is also an authorized King James Version Bible, the word spirit is capitalized in both verses, that is verse 12 and 28 in chapter 11. They are also capitalized in the Geneva Bible, as published by the Tole Lege Press in 2006. In an exact replica of the original King James Bible, as printed by Zondervan in 2011 on the 400th anniversary of the 1611 Bible, in Acts 10, 19, Acts 11, 12, and 28, the word spirit is not capitalized. Also, the word spirit is not capitalized in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, in the exact replica of the original King James Version Bible. However, spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, is capitalized in all of the Bibles mentioned above, as well as my Cambridge Compact, Compact Bible. My Cambridge Compact Bible that has the same title page and publishing information as my wide margin edition The word spirit is capitalized in Acts 11, 12, and 28, whereas in the wide margin it's not. William Tyndall's translation, as published by John Rogers of the Matthews Bible in 1537, has spirit capitalized in Acts 11, verses 12 and 28, but in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, there he translates it in one spirit, and spirit is not capitalized. He does not translate it by one spirit. And like I said, the word spirit is not capitalized. By this, you can see that I am doing no violence to the scriptures by setting forth that the word spirit should not be capitalized in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and that it should read in one spirit and not by one spirit. Like I said, the original King James translation that I have and Tyndall's translation support my position. As a side note, I mentioned above that Tyndall translated the Greek word ekklesia, which is generally given as church in the King James Version, as congregation in every place in the New Testament. Since the King James translators did follow Tyndall and use it as a standard, it may have been translated as such and 1 Corinthians might have been translated in one spirit 
if the rules by King James had not forbidden them to do so. But that is another study which may be considered at a later time. This Greek prepositional phrase, in hini pneumatai, that is, in one spirit, is used in two other places in the New Testament. It's only used three times. The first is Ephesians 2.18. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Second, Philippians 1.22. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. You will notice that in Ephesians 2.18, it is by one spirit, and spirit is capitalized. In Philippians 1.27, it is in one spirit, and spirit is not capitalized. Let it be noted that according to the context of both places, congregational unity is what is being taught. And I believe that Ephesians 2.18 should be translated in one spirit, with spirit not capitalized, as in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and Philippians 1, 22, where in all places, congregational unity is the lesson being taught. While some may think that this is a forced interpretation, note the following quotes. After affirming that the access to the Father is through or by means of Christ, R.C.H. Lenski writes concerning Ephesians 2.18, quote, The Greek word is able, excuse me, the Greek word is, uh, yes, the Greek word is able to add the opposition to the we, by means of the verb ending after the object, peace, thereby helping to emphasize the opposition. We, the both of us, Gentiles and Jew alike, they come to the Father not by two roads, but by one. Hence also the phrase, in one spirit. One hesitates to leave the consensus of the commentators who here translate in one spirit with spirit being capitalized as do our versions. This consensus, and, and Lynchke is saying it should be in one spirit without the capitalization. This consensus also finds the Trinity in Paul's wording through him, that is Christ, in one Holy Spirit, the Father. Yet, attractive as this appears, we question its soundness. In verse 16, we have in one body, to which there is now added as the complement in one spirit. 
this correspondence extends much farther when we note that one occurs together with both. Two, verse 14. Both the parts, one part, verse 15. The two women, one man. Excuse me, the two men, one man. And then in verse 16, the both of them, one body. Now, the both of us in one spirit. In this chain of four, both one, one part, one man, one body, the last link is surely one spirit, small, not capitalized, not one spirit capitalized. Note the thought that God or Christ or the Spirit are one fits into the chain. Excuse me. Not that the thought that God or Christ or the Spirit are one fits into the chain, but one Spirit that is small capital, a unit mind and heart filled with one life, one faith by Christ, his blood, and his cross, his gospel preaching of peace does. The decisive word is one. The access to the Father implies, I'm still reading from Linsky, the access to the Father implies that the Ephesian Gentiles and Jews have an approach to him as children and sons. As household members. All the rights of children are theirs, as also all the gifts that this divine Father bestows. All come to Him as a unit, come in one spirit, that is, without, cap without spirit being capitalized, and are thus in one and the same blessed relation and position. No matter if they once were two, some of them Gentiles, others Jews. Pros, that is the preposition for, is the face-to-face -face preposition. There is something almost immediate as well as personal in some of the examples. It is so, in fact. That's the end of the quote from Linsky. That's found in his interpretation of Paul's epistles to the Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians. Though S.D.F. Salmon, Salmond, in the Expositor's Greek Testament maintains that the word spirit refers to the Holy Spirit, he insists it be translated in one spirit, that is, spirit capitalized. The in is not equal to by, but in, I'm quoting, reading his quote, with reference to the element in which alone we have the access, as that right is ours only through Christ. So it is made ours in actual experience only in the spirit capitalized by Jew and Gentile, have it alike because it is one and the same spirit that is capitalized that work in both. And 
Jameson Fawcett and Brown and A.T. Robertson and William Hendrickson uh, would agree with uh, Salmon by being translated in one spirit and with spirit being capitalized. But I believe as Lynchke summarized the unity that is shown in uh, Ephesians 2.18, that's what Paul is teaching also in 1 Corinthians 12.13. However, our time is up and we must close for today. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.